Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliette Lamar, and we have with us today the very powerful, very strong woman, Janice Taylor. She is the CEO at Mazu. Welcome, Janice. So great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I really am I'm really grateful. So tell us a little bit about Mazu. Well, Mazu was basically my creation out of my imagination, looking at what was happening <laughs> in social media. And I'm a mom of two girls, and I basically, about nine years ago even, just sort of looked at this, opened up Facebook, and went, okay, what's going to go wrong in this situation? This all seems nice and good for now, but eventually, you know, this is going to go bad. And so basically, Mazu is my version of my reality in some ways growing up in Canada of a digital village where parents and children are in a space that's healthy and positive, and we really teach children core values, but we also have some fun. So it's... It's like it, like the old Burbage goes, you know, it takes a village to raise to raise a family. That's kind of what we're going off of here. Yes, 100%. Now, if you look at social media right now, if any of those spaces, you know, most times the, you know, the owners of those or the or the creators of those tech companies pretend children aren't there. But let's be honest, we all know children are in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about it, you know, if we're going to be in these spaces and quote unquote socialize in them, it should have some core values, some rules, some engagement <laughs> that's really sort of reflective of how we live in our real life. And I noticed that there was a disconnect between these spaces. And, you know, this is one of the first apps I've heard of that is really doing this. I know there's parental controls and things natively on some of the apps, but why do you think people are not taking this as, as a very, I'm not going to say serious, but people aren't thinking of this right away? You know, I think it's like it's just sort of been part of this like swept under the carpet kind of disassociative behavior in some ways. It's like Mm -hmm. we've gone into Instagram, for example, and we live these lives there and we haven't really made the connection to our real life. And we haven't really thought about how this impacts how we live in real life and how we start viewing ourselves and how we start viewing others. And then you throw children into the mix. So when you go into Instagram, for example, it says, you know, are you over the age of 13? Click the box. Well, how hard is that for a 7, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old, 12-year-old to do? And so, but because we say that, we're assuming that children aren't there and we're pretending as though they're not there. So we have a little bit of a disconnect happening in our beings that I think happen very rapidly and I think without our full conscious awareness until now. Absolutely. And uh, I, I have worked with children in the past and, you know, they really don't understand the the disconnect between real life and a social media platform. You know, what they see on there, they they take it at face value, and then when they start to mold themselves to their, I'm not gonna, I guess idols, they mold themselves to people and the things they're seeing on there, not realizing it's persona or it's not necessarily real most of the time, it's creating right. such false identities and such false uh, goals, <laughs> and it can, it can be probably pretty detrimental to them uh, in their growth, in their mental growth, and finding out who 100%. they truly are themselves. You've nailed it. You know, I think there, there's one thing that people need to become aware of is that even though a child can swipe and turn on an iPad, mm-hmm. 
doesn't mean that they're emotionally ready to take in what comes through that iPad. So emotionally, children actually don't stop developing until past their 18th birthday. So imagine Mm -hmm. teenagers, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17. Now we know in social media, the moment you hit like, pause on a picture, you're in a filter bubble, you are in that space. And then it's just pounding you with similar types of content and things that you may believe about yourself. Now the other most important distinction again is that when we're in these spaces they draw upon our fears our insecurities I'm a grown woman and even I go to those spaces and go damn I don't look anything like these people (laughs) Um, you know now imagine being a 14 year old girl which is what I have and an 11 year old girl or boys and the moment that she stops on a makeup tutorial which she thinks is fantastic that's all she gets and I'm yeah. and and the data around it now, like there's a fabulous professor in California, Gene Twinge, that has really put out a landmark study. You know, in the last two years we are seeing sharp increases in suicide rates, depression, anxiety amongst both girls and boys. And there's a direct link back into Instagram and social media. And we need to start Mm -hmm. thinking about this. These spaces are changing how our babies and our children and our teens are learning about themselves. And most of it is geared to their image. And most of it is is quite sexual in its content. Yeah, I mean, it's all image because, I mean, they are videos, small videos, but it's completely visual, you know, and and even the... um, the pictures can be edited and they can be distorted. And it's, you know, we've always had this kind of input from say magazines or television and movies, but it's just the sheer amount of content. Like when I'm on Instagram as an adult, what I see a lot of times is like, Oh, look at all look at these people and look how much success is happening and look how many people are traveling and look how many people are, are, you know, enjoying themselves when re- that's just the reality they're presenting. They're really potentially not in that place or not traveling that often, but you have total control of your online persona and a lot of people are working it for, you know, financial gain or for brands. And you just really, even though I know better <laughs> and I'm a fully developed person, I'm still yeah. thinking to myself, Oh man, I wish I could travel more. I wish I was going to that place. Totally. And, you know, I am, I'm susceptible to it. <laughs> yeah, we all are. You know, I think you just said it so well there as well as that we're grown adults and we can sort of step out and say, okay, we know that parts of this isn't real. It doesn't change how it may hit within ourselves. Now, for kids, they only see the world from themselves. So they haven't learned this collective mentality or knowing that people are flawed. You have to teach that as parents. Like I'm always telling my daughter, Shia, you know, that's not really real. She wakes up lots of times and doesn't like herself, and she's still a Victoria's Secret model. It's all right, you know. (laughs) Not Mm -hmm. everyone feels a 10 every day. And, and, you know, the un, it's just so not really connecting to the other dimensions of who these kids are. And that's the other part of what we do at Mazu. It's that there's more to you than just how you look. You may like bugs. You may be so many things. But if you're not really connecting to that part of yourself, how will you ever learn about it? And, and the thing that you said, too, that was interesting, like I grew up in the 80s. I'm a Gen Xer. We know we had our magazines. We had our TV shows. We had Entertainment Tonight. But then we had breaks. Then we had full mm-hmm. time to be by ourselves. Now, if you think about kids today, they never get a break. 
they don't get a break from yeah. the comparison. They don't get a break from the pressure, from the social. They don't get a break. Unless I physically go into my kids' rooms and, like, pry out of their cold, dead hands this, <laughs> the phone, you know, they're like, and then I have to hear about it, how I'm ruining their social life and whatever else, I literally have to do that every single night. And otherwise, they just don't get a break because they really can't. And now, even if you look around at a restaurant or you and I as adults, how many people always have their phone? How many people are walking yep. down the street with their phone? Like, to expect children who really have no concept of their full emotional capacity yet to make those kinds of decisions, forget about it. It's just not going to happen. And they can't, like you were saying, they can't turn it off themselves, where as adults, sometimes we can be like, whoa, we've just wasted an hour of time on Instagram. What are we doing? Let's get back to work. But children, because it's such this, um, you know, such an instant gratification, like I post a picture mm-hmm. and people like it and they're commenting on it. Oh, my friends like it. And, oh, you know, and it, it just becomes such, it's like sugar, right? You know, you have a little it's bit sugar. of sugar and you just want more sugar. <laughs> yeah. It's like, really, how many kids would ever turn down the Big Mac? Exactly. Exactly. If I told my kids we could eat McDonald's every day, they'd be like, Yahoo! Like, they would have no concept of anything else of that. And I think that's, again, where we're just not connecting and looking Mm -hmm. at these devices in the exact same way. So the devices are no different than sugar, drugs. In fact, when you look at the brains biologically that are lit up, they're lit up exactly the same as a heroin addict. Um, So from my perspective, when I was making this tech solution was like, I really need to make methadone. And I know that that sounds like (laughs) crap, but like, I literally was like, okay, we need the normal household, the methadone, that even if my children go to these spaces, which they will, they're going to get, I'm going to show them other parts of themselves because I've removed the addiction. I've removed the filter bubble so that they see other dimensions of content that can counteract the impacts of what's happening in Instagram. So we believe Mm -hmm. in running parallel. And so when Shia, my oldest, comes and sees me in Mazu, which she does, not every day, (laughs) not as often, (laughs) but this morning I was sending her hilarious videos about how amazing she is. And, you know, those things is what we can do as a parent. I was just really practical about this and thought, you know, we need that normal household. And, you know, when you were a kid, and maybe your house was normal, and then you go to the neighbor's house, and it was slightly different. Dad had a bottle of rye. You know, it was just slightly different. <laughs> but when you come back to your house, you were like, whew, this is okay. My house was opposite. Mm-hmm. My house was chaotic, and I went to my neighbor's house, and they actually sat at the kitchen table. I was like, okay, I have this balance. And I think the thing that we need to really become aware of as a whole society is we need to have balance between how much chaos and fear and yelling and anger and fight or flight we want to have in these spaces, and then also injecting our, our lives with a whole bunch of love. And, and as adults, we understand balance. Kids do not. Teenagers do not mm-hmm. know balance yet. We teach balance. And so that, that for me has been the greatest challenge of my life, to be quite frank, Um, At the same time, the most rewarding is really figuring out how do we counteract what's happening to to all of us in these social media spaces. Absolutely. When you bring up balance, it's so true because, you know, it really isn't Instagram's fault. You know, they are doing a fantastic job at at getting their users, people generating content. They've, They've created this really amazing space. And the fact that people are misusing it, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily their fault, um, obviously, but with the internet, you know, there's so many other good apps out there. You know, there's apps that you can learn languages on, or, you know, share funny videos, (laughs) or there's inspirational apps. And, 
And if you can just get the kids out of a single thing, like Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, like the yes. top three, you know, pluck them out of that and just put them somewhere else so they can absorb different yeah. information. Like you were saying with the family example, I love that. I mean, that's game changing. Um, yeah. I was wondering, and, and you might not know the answer to this, but but for, what are some of the long-term effects and studies that have been done on on this generation that's kind of been brought up with Gosh. with these with your cell phones yeah like what are some of the besides you know the low self-esteem and, and spike in the suicide rates which is enough to get our minds yeah. thinking you know is there like a social you know talking in person like what what's our detriments here so the the detriments are there's several um i think the number one is how we view the influence of family and collective so the number one is if we if we think about how we need to live in a society of we're kind of all in it together, and somewhere mm-hmm. in our technology spaces of our individualization, we have lost this idea that we're actually kind of all on the same team. So if you look at humanity, we're so busy being divisive, like I care for this party, I care for this party, I care for this topic or this topic. We're so polarized. This generation is being raised in a hyper-polarized environment. So that's number one. So then you add in all of the psychological impacts of their stunted emotional development. And so stunted emotional development, the, the largest impact in these spaces And again, if you know, biologically, children don't stop developing their emotional IQ until EQ until past their 18th birthday is empathy, the ability to feel compassion. Um, Mm -hmm. That's so important. Can you imagine? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if you think about when we were kids and you bopped someone in the nose and they bawled their eyes out, you probably felt this whole trigger in your being of like, holy crap, I've just caused this person to cry. (laughs) And you learn because children actually learn by observing. And so Mm -hmm. if you can't observe the person on the other end of what is happening to them when you say the things that you do, you just punch them in the nose with nothing coming back at you. And so I never thought of it like that. And then that's, they can't learn from their mistakes because they literally are not no. seeing any kind of response. Wow. No. Except no. for maybe if they, com- if they comment back, but a comment is, is not, does not trigger that humanistic response. No. Wow. And wow. you know why it doesn't? Because we're getting so many negative comments back, so we're desensitized. Mm-hmm. So there, there are neural pathways in your emotional intelligence. Those are actual connections in your brain that teach you sadness, that teach you empathy, that teach you those components. This generation of kids, those neural pathways are not connecting. So by the time they're 18, 19, they will not have the capacity to feel full empathy because they don't witness it in their lives. And that for me, I got to tell you, is the game changer in how we actually build our society. It's terrifying terrifying. because if we can't feel bad for each other, in some ways, even if they're on the opposite we're not human. political spectrum. We're not human. Exactly. <laughs> so we have to, you know, if you think about it, that's the biggest reason why I made Mazu is we need to wrap our arms around these children and teach them love. Um, we need to raise yeah. our kids as a collective village again because we kind of are all in it together. And even if I fall on the separate political spectrums or the separate religious identities of this, that, and the other, we're still humans. And we've got mm-hmm. to find a common ground again. And, and so creating this environment was really about how do we create core values, kindness, respect, those show up no matter what end of the political spectrum we're in, even if we disagree mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> so, you those know, are just human, human traits. Human, those are just human, human traits. traits. Yeah. yeah, and we used to have a decorum 
where, you know what, we can have a debate and I can debate, but we don't go below the belt. You know, don't need Mm -hmm. to attack each other and in order to be right or wrong. But our our current society is all about polarization. And this generation of kids are missing the number one golden rule. We are all in it together and treat your neighbors with love (laughs) and each other Mm -hmm. with love. Because we do have to be in it together if we really want to solve big problems. And this is where I will be an outspoken person till the day I die. We have big problems. We have things in the world that we really genuinely need to solve. You know, climate change, for example. And if we're not on the same team, how can we do that? And so mm-hmm. we need to do that as a digital village again. And, and that's what Mazu is. It's about bringing it back to the basics. Let's talk about love. And let's talk about values and let's celebrate and engage with each other as a family, which is the very first place you learned normal. You should learn normal there. (laughs) Exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking like uh, trying to imagine a world without empathy. And I mean, these kids are going to grow up and then when they start dating, how are they going to connect with another human on a romantic, intimate level? You know, this is this is a whole future of changed people that. I don't know. To me, it makes my heart sink. That's insane. And and the other really big thing that you just said that's the most important thing is that our girls and our boys are believing that our identities are wrapped into our sexual, physical image. And that's Mm -hmm. what they're learning at Instagram. And, and, you know, and I will will shoot back at Instagram this. They don't filter enough. They don't actually think about and do enough age verification. And because they are now in an appetite of content consumption – they put kids in filter bubbles. So boys are learning that girls should be sexual objects. And the last horrifying story that I'll teach you about or impart with you is, you know, my daughter's on Snapchat and she's 14 and that's where she's got her group chats with her volleyball team and her basketball team. And the other day she wouldn't get out of the car and I said, why aren't you getting out of the car? And she's like, oh, mom, then I got to see all the boys that asked me for news. And I'm like, did you say news like <laughs> N-E-W-S or did you say news? Yeah. And you're, as a parent, you're trying to be totally, like, cool and normal. And I was like, so, did you send the nude? And she's like, oh, Mom, look at me. (laughs) She's like, not a chance. (laughs) Now, she said that she didn't want to share her nude because of the way she looked. And I said, how often does this happen? And she says, I don't know, 30 times a month? Wow. I'm like, 30? Again, I'm like, 13? Or did you say 30? Mm -hmm. Like, every girl, Mom, every girl has to police herself against asking and saying no. And and I think that if you think about growing up when we're talking about the Me Too movement and sexual harassment, we are right now training boys and girls as young as 13, 14 years old that it's okay to ask, and if you don't ask, I'm going to cyberbully you until I get it. Mm-hmm. And that is a reality that we need to think about. And they're not aware of their the footprint they leave. You know, Snapchat, you know, quote unquote disappears. But, you know, there are ways for people to to save these images and potentially be harmful later, later on when, you know, like you said, they're not emotionally developed. They're putting out content. That content oh, yeah. is forever saved. <laughs> and, you know, it's the wrong saved. the wrong move, the wrong move. And, and it's, it's right back up destroying their life, even if it's, if it's a childhood mistake. Well, Unfair, really. Know. It's it's really like sit over a 14-year-old on Snapchat on a Saturday night. Like Shia, I thank God I have an amazing kid who lets me into her world. Horrifying. It's horrifying. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's really no, there's no ramifications again, no consequence to asking. Mm-hmm. And they demand it or they cyberbully <laughs> you to get another one. Um, and, you know, the the fascinating thing about it is like 
I'm not a mother of boys, but I know a lot of moms that are, and they'd be outraged to know. And it's really neither Mm -hmm. a boy or a girl issue. It's an environment issue and the society cultural issue because we all kind of know what it's used for, and everybody is pretending as though it's not being used that way and that it's really just kids putting dogs on in ears on pictures. Shy hasn't used a filter on any of that crap for like <laughs> oh, I hate those two years. Like they're not using it that way. They're using it to really socialize and boys are using yeah. it to get nudes. And girls are actually yeah. sending nudes in order to get love. Like just this morning mm-hmm. I had with her about it. Shia, you know, sex at this age is not equal to love, but girls are still watching movies like Cinderella. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, we can't deny that this is the environment and the miscommunication that's happening in these spaces. So parents, we got to get in there. You know, it's like joining Snapchat for me was illogical. Pulling Shia into Mazu so I can show her other dimensions of who she is, that makes more sense. Um, it's also not it's also not confrontational. It's not like, oh, great, no. now my mom is in my space. It's like, no, you have your space and you're allowed to use it. But, you know, yeah. here's a space that I'm in. Come join me. It's very non-confrontational. 100%. Like I always say to parents, do you um, do you guys all sit in your daughter's bedroom and eat supper? Like, Yeah. No. <laughs> you don't do that. It's weird. You wouldn't do that, right? <laughs> it's weird. Why would I set up the turkey dinner in her bedroom? Like, no, you make her come to the table. She sits at the kitchen table, and then you pelt her with questions. That's what parents do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's what we're about. We're like, yay. And then I make jokes because I'm funny, and I show her the other aspect of living. I don't pretend mm-hmm. that I'm a teenager again and then creep my kids on Instagram and Snapchat. That makes no sense to me. But I sure No, and it just shuts them off. Yeah. Yeah. Then I just push them to another app. Then I just push them to mm-hmm. another environment. You know, now Visco, exactly. Visco is blowing up. Like, I don't know if it's going blowing up in L.A., but Visco is, like, the worst place on the planet for kids right now in their oh. and girls' sisters. I don't know if you've been there, but it's wild. not. It's wild. Oh I'm gonna have to check to check it out just so oh I know gosh. what's going on and like hope that oh I don't gosh. just you know cry. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty wild. Like it's again the places that they go. So we as parents, we need to sort of stand our ground. And you know, the thing for me was it's not just about monitoring. I need to teach her. I need to mm-hmm. teach my daughter that being smart and funny and quirky and interesting is okay. Because she's not getting that in Instagram and Snapchat. I'm just sorry. She's just not. Um, yeah. Not getting the other dimensions of her personality. As her mother, it's my job to show my quirky and weirdoness, And <laughs> at the same time to encourage her wonderfulness that's beyond what she looks like. It's beyond, you know, it's beyond sending a nude. It's beyond taking the best picture on Instagram. And so that's what Mazu really is. It's like, let's nurture our kids so that when they go to these environments, they've got the normal household at the same time. Absolutely. So tell us, tell us now, you know, what are some of the app features that, that people can expect and where's the best place to get this app and, and start using it? So they can go to Mazu um, on Google Play or the iTunes store, pardon me. And if they, once they're there, they can expect a normal feed Um, that's got content that's relevant to children and families. And every single piece of content is tagged with a core value. So it's about teaching children as young as, you know, 9, 10, 11, that content actually must have a point. It's not just about the perfect picture. So it's rewiring the brain that way. The second component of that is your group chatting. So we kind of slackified the family conversation, topics that are relevant, um, including grandma, grandpa, aunts, and uncles, 
So I, I call it the Sunday dinner that never happens anymore. <laughs> so that's that conversation that we all used to have dinner on Sundays, at least in Canada, that was a big thing. And so it's mm-hmm. like kind of that constant kitchen table conversation. The biggest feature that I'm really excited about that's launching in two weeks is our love meter of the world. Um, that will be our quote-unquote gamified experience of giving and, and receiving love within the world to spread that out. That's our action, how we have a global basically meter of the world sort of love quotient. Um, And that's really, again, for us to start thinking about how we actually are using our devices for a sense of purpose and creating some mindfulness. Then there's the typical features for parents, such as the security features. Um, There's the chat filtering. We do verify that you are, in fact, a user. Um, Only adults will need to pay for that verification, but we give half of that, which is $5, back to every user. once they've referred this forward. So once they've referred it to other people and they paid the $9.99 verification fee, five bucks will come back to you in the, ver- in the referral. So it's kind of a co-op, which is a very Canadian co-op mm-hmm. thing that we're going to share the income together with our users and with our families that build this with us. And so that's, and, and within this, we've started to partner with makers, people that are doing things in the world to really celebrate the uniqueness of who we are and to really show that example to kids. So again, taking the digital village component for good. So how can my child be inspired by Kat Von D since she loves makeup so much? <laughs> but we also <laughs> know that she's an activist. And so how does Shia learn about her outside of the makeup that she actually gets at Sephora? You know, so how do I teach her another component of that? And that's the type of content you're going to see in Mazu. Oh, fantastic. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us here today and, and really just taking that deep dive with me into, into all the things that Mazu stands for, but also just what we as as adults need to be thinking about in regards to our own children and to other people's children. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an important topic. So I hope your listeners really enjoy sort of thinking about things like this. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, technology as itself is not scary. We just need to recognize, Mm -hmm. you know, how we as humans are affected by it emotionally. Intellectually, it's been talked about out of the wazoo. We really need to think about the emotional impact of this and starting to guard our hearts a little bit. Absolutely. Fantastically said. Janice Taylor, thank you again. Thank you. That was Janice Taylor. She is the CEO at Mazu. Check out this app. It's really incredible. Thank you all so much for joining us here today on Future Tech Podcast. This has been Juliette Lamar. Have a wonderful day. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.